listening to Mars Attacks podcast, a member of Talking Metal Digital and the Cast Iron Ring. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, this is Tim Liberowen. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Ron Bender for Fall of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Winner from Monster Magnet. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter. Hey, everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attacks. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show on DH1 Classics. Hey, this is Kurt Winstein from Crowbar. Hey, this is Richard Christie from the band Charred Walls of the Dam. Yeah, this is John Schaefer from Iced Earth. Hey, this is Rex Brown from Kill Devil Hill. Hi, this is Tom Ryan and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Yow! This is Vinny Apsey from Kill Devil Hill, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Welcome, one and all, to another episode of Mars Attacks Live. I am your host, Victor. And this week, we're supposed to have a special guest. Confirmed everything. Had been uh, chatting back and forth with this person, and they still have not shown up. So we'll see uh, if they join us or not, and see what ends up happening. Anyway, uh, let's see here. We want to thank those of you that are listening right now. Um, There are a few of you. Hopefully it will ramp up throughout the hour. Uh, We just wrapped up an installment of the warm-up show. This week the warm-up show consisted of nothing but female-fronted bands. In the end, uh, I wanted to make it hard rock and metal with females. And in the end, they were all female-fronted bands. So there you go. Uh, the interesting thing there, I played some Meldrum with the late uh, Michelle Meldrum, the ex-wife of John Norum of Europe fame, and of course on drums, the great, great Gene Hoagland, who is part of our classic albums column. For those of you that are wanting to hear the next classic albums column, it will be out at the end of this month. There is a little hint out there. If you go to the Amazon store that pertains to Mars Attacks Radio and Podcast, you'll find the next album in the store that pertains to the Classic Albums column. What you need to do is go to the affiliate stores, uh, which is on the, or I'm sorry, the affiliate stores actually gives you a link to all of the various affiliates that. Uh, we're linked up to there's Amazon store right under that if you check out the Amazon store you'll see all the great stuff that um, that we include during the episode sometimes signature instruments a lot of times it's various uh, CDs you know people still want to buy CDs so there you go if you go into the store that pertains to the classic albums column you'll find it if you go to Amazon store you'll find the album that will be discussed later this month. This week, obviously, no Mark Striegel. 
uh, Mark is tied up or, or not so much tied up. I don't know if he is tied up literally, <laughs> but uh, uh, apparently he had done a few Talking Metal uh, interviews this week with Jonathan. And as I mentioned at the end of last week's live show, in no way, shape, or form do you know I want to replace John on Talking Metal. It's just this opportunity's come up where John isn't around as much as maybe he'd like to be around. And I'm able to step in and help out and, you know, give you guys some different content or banter to what uh, John Astronomy would provide. So there you go. Um, and it's fun. I really love doing the shows with Mark. You know, it, it's really a thrill for me. I've mentioned it a bunch of times. Uh, Mark is really the guy that gave me the kick in the ass to start doing podcasting and, and doing this radio show. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him... I wouldn't be, <laughs> you know, doing this. Uh, if you're up there on Facebook, if you have me friended on Facebook, I actually tagged the picture of me and Mark from back in September of '09, from the fateful night when he asked me to do a English language show. I was doing a Fusion Sonica, the Spanish language podcast at the time, and he said, "You know, why don't you do a show in English?" And I didn't hesitate. You know, I took him up on the offer, and that picture is from that fateful encounter. So there you go. Anyway, uh, looks like the person that we had calling in to be the co-host is not uh, going to be calling in. So we're going to just power on through here and do what we can to bring you the best show possible. Uh, we'll sort of play things by ear because obviously uh, what I had planned out for you, we're not going to be able to do. So uh, we'll do things to the best of our ability. Anyway, first topic I wanted to discuss was Motorhead. Uh, obviously Lemmy, from everything that we've been reading, is pretty sick They've canceled their entire tour. They have an album that's about to come out. And earlier today, we got news that uh, Philip Campbell is putting together an all-star band to play the Bloodstock Festival. And I'm not sure if Motorhead was supposed to play that festival or not. It's possible that, you know, Philip is uh, sort of coming in and uh, fulfilling the date for the guys in Motorhead so that there are no legal repercussions or anything. I don't know, or maybe he just, you know, is antsy and wants to, wants to play. Who knows? So we'll find out more about that as time goes on. Lemmy's health. Uh, well, Lemmy's up there in years. You know, it's funny when, or not funny, when Ronnie James Dio passed away, Lemmy's comments were, you know, I wish he wouldn't have died because I'm the next oldest guy. Ronnie was the oldest guy <laughs> in hard rock and metal. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, I'm getting close to 40. I'll be 40 um, in a few months, actually. And it's interesting. Uh, this is something that Mark brings up all the time where you start to see people that you grew up listening to. They're getting sick or passing away, and it's, uh, you know, it's odd. It really gives you a sense of your own mortality because, you know, 
these guys aren't young anymore. Lemmy is probably, you know, pushing 70, and that's probably no exaggeration. Ryan James Dio was, I believe, 67 when he passed away. And I think at the time, Lemmy, uh, anyway. Yeah, so we hope that Lemmy recovers. You know, hopefully he, you know, is able to soldier on with this. But who knows, you know, even after this, how much more can Lemmy give, you know, rock and roll? How much can Lemmy give hard rock and metal? You know, he's been around since the 60s with Hawkwind. And it's just interesting that, you know, he's been around this long. I do have to say that his book, his autobiography, White Line Fever, to me is the greatest hard rock or music book in general. There are no excuses in the book. There's no poor, you know, woe is me shit in there. You know, there are so many other artists that you pick up their book and, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm rich, but, oh, you know, please pity me. Seriously, <laughs> you know, uh, Lemmy is, you know, he comes off as like a regular guy and, you know, with his documentary, I think that sort of furthers that entire idea, you know, that he is sort of, you know, a regular guy in the end. Um. But, yeah, his his book is, is real funny because, you know, he doesn't apologize for anything. And he mentions how in the 70s, he, or actually Keith Richards did a whole blood transfusion and supposedly that sort of revived him and gave him, you know, uh, like an, an added kick in the ass. And what Lemmy did was he finally started coming into money because the album Ace of Spades and No Sleep Till Hammersmith. And he said, you know what? I'm going to try this too. And he went to go do all the tests. And he mentions in his book how the doctor said, your blood is so fucked up that if we decide to change it now, it'll kill you. Your organs are so used to this decrepit, you know, goopy, poisonous serum that you have coursing through your veins that there's no way that we can put anything pure in here because your organs won't know how to function with it. So I thought that was, you know, it's sad, but it's funny at the same time. You know, if not, he wouldn't have mentioned it. And, you know, he's brought us so much cool music. Uh, you know, I've always, uh, well, I can't say I always liked Motorhead. I sort of didn't understand them when I was a kid. You know, what's this guy, you know, with the beard, you know, singing up in the air? And I think as I reached, you know, my teenage years, definitely my high school years, I started to really appreciate them. The album 1916 came out, and I played the crap out of that album. You know, I absolutely love that album. I think it's really kick-ass. They were nominated for a Grammy, and I remember that's the year that Metallica finally won. The year before was Jethro Tull. And before Metallica comes up on stage for like about a split second you can hear the intro to the song 1916 by motorhead and i was like what the hell's going on you know did they did they mention the right band or you know whoever's giving out the award did they sort of you know mess up and say metallica and it's actually you know motorhead the strange tie in there is that years later motorhead did win a grammy covering Enter Sandman and how 
dumb is that? You know, out of all things that they could win, you know, I know uh, Judas Priest has won with a live cover as well of, I believe, Diamonds and Rust. I, I could be wrong to the Grammys because I think they're utter joke like so many other things out there. So uh, what I wanted to tie into was Lemmy working with Huntress. Huntress is out there on tour right now. I believe it's on the Mayhem Fest. And they have an album, a new album called... Um, I apologize here. I believe it's... Uh, well, let's see. I have it right here in my playlist. Starbound Beast. My bad. I thought it was Starcrossed. I wanted to double-check that Starcrossed is the previous album of In This Moment. I wanted to make sure I didn't confuse that, and I did. So there you go, Starbound Beast. This is a track that Jill Janis and the rest of the band worked on with Lemmy. The track is called I Wanna Fuck You to Death. So there you go. This is a little Huntress. Lemmy doesn't appear on the track, but he helped write them he helped write them jesus he helped write the track and arrange it for him so here we go let's listen to a little bit of huntress listen to a lot more of Mars Attacks podcast to keep up with me. And we're back. My bud friendly invitation, gotta do it once a show. Anyway, we heard a little bit of Huntress there and a few seconds there of Megadeth's version of Cold Sweat. Few weeks back, had a discussion going there on Twitter with a bunch of former Talking Metal forum posters. Yes, Bert Gabriel, the forums are now dead. That's similar to the Garrett Morris thing 
where he says the Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. Good night. <laughs> but uh, yes, the Talking Metal forums are dead. Anyway, we had a discussion regarding uh, Jornlandi. Jornlandi, mm, I don't know. I just never gotten into him and, you know, just nothing personal, dude. Uh, I don't know. I There are certain power metal bands that I just, just do nothing for me. You know, that genre a lot of times starts and ends with Halloween, and really I don't know that anyone has really added anything, you know, years after the fact. I think those first two Keeper of the Seven Keys albums are just awesome. I mean, and there's a reason why people go back and reference those albums all the time. Aside from that, I mean, I think the albums Pink Bubbles Go Ape, Chameleon was alright, Master of the Rings, eh, not too bad. Had a few cool songs in there, but to me, Time of the Oath is sort of where Halloween died. Uh, after that, it's just been, or actually I should say The Dark Ride was them with Roy Z. Trying to like modernize their sound, and I don't know, it just didn't do anything for me. It worked for Halford, it didn't work for Halloween, and after that, it's just sort of been, you know, Keeper of the Seven Keys, and actually one of the albums is Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 3. And, you know, every album since has been three, four, five, six, seven. You know, it's a shame. I, it was such a great band. But in the end, you have two original members. You have, you know, Spinal Tap-like drummer situation. And you have a rotating guitarist in there as well that have changed up over the years. And, you know, it was one of my favorite bands at one point in time, and I want to remember them as that. And... You know, I think in the end, bands are a lot about relationships. I mention this all the time, and Bolt, the band, and he actually blamed Kai Hansen for that because he said that Kai was the guy that was sort of, uh, you know, the prankster in the band and kept things, you know, lively. And once he was gone, it was no fun. It was sort of like a dictatorship. But uh, anyway, we're getting off track. I wanted to talk about the Megadeth album. I've mentioned it a bunch of times. People have have you know been up in arms. Oh, you know this this album absolutely sucks. You know that Super Collider song is just so horrible. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> I've mentioned it a bunch of times. I think the track is cool. I actually think it's better than the last album that they put out. The first one with. David Ellison back is good, but it seems a little forced. It's almost like, all right, we're back. You know, David's back in the band. Let's show people we can thrash. You've been showing people you could do that. You know, United Abominations was a great album, in my opinion. The System Has Failed was a good album. Endgame was a good album. But then you have um, the, the this first album with... Um, with David Ellison, and I should have looked up... No, 13. I knew it. Okay, 13 is the album that I don't dig. And one of the reasons that I don't like it is because there are a bunch of tracks that are regurgitated, like Sudden Death, which sounds a lot better with the single version for Guitar Hero, in my opinion, before the 13 version of the album came out. I think 
personally, it was a mistake for them to move away from Andy Sneap. But again, you know, Dave Mustaine is the boss and he does what he wants to. And, you know, what do I know? He's the one making money off of this. I'm not. So, but anyway, I like Super Collider. I think it's a good hard rock album. Uh, a lot of people, the way that they were talking about it and saying that it was crap, I don't know. I, I still think that Risk is their weakest album. Where would I place Super Collider? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. And this depends because I really like Megadeth. Megadeth is one of my all-time favorite bands. I've mentioned this a bunch of times. With the Big Four, I was always an Anthrax and Megadeth guy. I didn't get into Metallica years later. And I haven't gotten into Slayer up until about five years ago. So, shocking. Usually when you get older, you're, you know, your musical palate softens. Mine's gotten harder. So, there you go. Anyway, is Super Collider better than Killing Is My Business, Peace Cells? Rust in Peace or Countdown to Extinction? No. Is it better than Euthanasia? Probably not. Uh, is it better than Cryptic Writings? Mm, if it isn't better, it's a notch below. It's better than Risk, in my opinion. The World Needs a Hero has some pretty cool tracks on there, so I don't know. Maybe it's about on par with that. The System Has Failed is a really cool album. Right behind their classic albums. United Abominations I absolutely love. I think that to me, is like a return to form for the band. And honestly, I don't think that they've been able to come back up to that same level since United Abominations. There are just so many cool tracks on that album. I mean, if you look at it, Sleepwalker, Washington is Next, Never Walk Alone, A Call to Arms, United Abominations, which I absolutely love, Gears of War, which, although repetitive, is catchy as hell and really cool. Blessed Are the Dead are really cool. Play for Blood is really cool. The remake of Atu Lamont with uh, Christina Scabia of Lacuna Coil is really cool. <laughs> this one always gives me trouble to pronounce. Americanistan. Typical Dave Mustaine, sort of like this was your life type of deal. Uh, not this was your life, like sweating bullets, my bad, but you get my drift. You're dead, I can't seem to remember, burnt ice about crystal method, crystal method, crystal methane, crystal meth, really cool track, and actually, if you have the bonus edition, you have Out on Tiles with Led Zeppelin, or the Led Zeppelin cover, excuse me, with Sean Drover playing John Bonham's Vista Light drum kit, at Abbey Road Studio, which is where that was recorded, if I'm not mistaken. And then Black Swan, which they redid, was another track that they redid for 13, as well as a track that actually was one of the leftover tracks from uh, Rust in Peace, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see here. I believe it's it's Whose Life Is This Anyway? Sudden Death is a remake. And let's see. No, it's got to be New World Order because Nick Menza has credits with the lyrics and Marty Friedman also has credits with that. So my bad. I, I believe that that's Rest in Peace. I, I could be wrong. 
on that and I'm not about to read this you know as as I'm on the air but uh, anyway getting back to the Yornlandi what was sent to me was a track a Thin Lizzy cover that somebody said wow this is really cool you've really got to check this out and I was like it doesn't have passion or balls or bite you know the double and death patrol version in my opinion is really cool and really kick-ass and this megadeth version is really cool check it out and if you want drop me a line via twitter mars aries 2005 or vmr907 whichever you choose let me know what you think of the track this is cold sweat by megadeth to the Mars Attacks Podcast. Here's your host, Victor. Come get your rocks off. One second, Dave. We have Dave Reffitt on the phone. Uh, he just called in. I should have actually counted you down there, Dave. I'm sorry. I was uh, fumbling trying to get things back in order and make sure that uh, we've got a cool track off of your album in here to talk about and uh, for those of you that don't know, Dave has been on the show in the past and is a frequent contributor to the Mars Attacks Classic Albums column. And just to answer your question, uh, we talked a little bit about Motorhead. We talked about Megadeth, just played their cover of uh, Thin Lizzy's uh, Cold Sweat, actually. Cool. Being a big Megadeth fan, and this is sort of why I wanted to throw this out there, what are your thoughts on the new album Super Collider? You know, there's two camps out there right now, and there's people that are really don't like it, and there's people that love it, and, and I like it a lot. Man. I think it's really cool. It's, you know, what I like about them so much is they don't make the same record twice, you know, and, and there's right. some really interesting, different stuff happening on this one. Uh, it takes a couple listens here and there to get into some of the stuff because it's so different. Uh, but I dig it, man. I think it's great. And, um, you know, like I said, they you never know what you're going to get. I like that. Right. Uh, as I mentioned, 
uh, before the break. I actually think the album is really cool. Uh, I think people, you know, as, as I don't know, as you're saying, they're split. People expect, you know, rest in peace and and countdown and you know, peace sells over and over again. But you know, as a musician, I think you, you get to a point where you sort of get bored of you know just doing three albums over and over again. And not to say that they've done that, but you know, I think it's cool that Super Collider brings something different to the table. And the first time I heard the track, I absolutely loved it. It's catchy. It's hooky. And, you know, it's it's Megadeth, you know. Um, and it's not that the rest of the album, you know, is horrible. There, there are a lot of really cool tracks on there. Um, I, I, remember, I remember being 13 and saying, man, I'm always going to love stuff that's, like, really fast. You know, Angel of Death and all that. And then right. I here I am, 30, and I don't feel that way. <laughs> right. you know, and, I, and I think that's, I mean, look at, you know, the guy in Megadeth, they're 50. Right. So, I mean, you know, you don't want to have 280 beats a minute all the time. You don't want to sing about destruction and shit, you know, like, I think that there's some really, you know, I like mid-tempo stuff nowadays a lot more. Right. And, I, you know, I, it's a great album. I like to put it in and drive to it. And, where do you think that this album, in your opinion, where does it rank for you among their albums? You know, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, for me, my I grew up down in Kentucky, and, and there's some guys that we were Megadeth worshippers, you know? Right. And we grew up on those 90s records, you know? So when people started to say, man, it's like Risk mi mixed with cryptic writings, I was like, you know, that's pretty cool, because I actually like those albums a lot. And I <laughs> love Euthanasia, and I love Countdown. And this album's kind of like an amalgamation of all those. Right. And, uh, but as far as making a list of one to 10, I mean, I guess it depends on what day you ask somebody. Sure. You know, uh, so I, I don't really like to put things in, you know, beauties in the eye of the beholder, as they say. So sure. It's tough to pick a favorite and it's tough to pick a least favorite because I, I really love them all, you know. Right. And, and that's Picking your favorite kid, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's sort of why I wanted to ask you, because I knew that you're such a big fan of the band and that there's such a huge influence on you, you know, to reach out to someone that really appreciates their music. Yeah. And see what they feel, you know, about this album, as opposed to just, you know, some Yahoo behind a computer, <laughs> you know, online that, uh, you know, ha has no fear of any repercussion. You know, with with what they say, and yeah, you can just the internet is—it's just pathetic nowadays. I mean, it really is. I mean, right. you said it all. It's—it's it's a guy sitting behind a desk, and there's no repercussions. I mean, right. he would never say that to somebody's face. He'd get knocked out, you know. But <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, YouTube. I mean, there's so many awful people on YouTube, but you just got to ignore them, and you got to make the art you want to make. You know? Yeah. I, That's absolutely. what you know. Megadeth is done. They don't really care. I respect that. I, I respect somebody that takes chances and, you know, I mean, you know, I'll say it, dude. I think Risk is a brilliant album. I don't care what anybody says. Right. I think the songs are great. I think it's, it's very different. And if you want Rust in Peace, you know, you already have it. Put right. It on. <laughs> Absolutely. And the thing is, music is so emotional. Um, something, yeah. I, I mean, in the end, your, your favorite album, you know, for lack of a better comparison, is like losing your virginity. You know, that sticks with you forever. And no matter what other album you listen to, it's never going to top that. So a lot of people have this, like, almost utopian, like, yeah. feeling that, oh, well, you know, it has to sound like Rust in Peace. Oh, my God, it doesn't have, you know, 
50,000 sweeps or arpeggios or, oh, my God, that's not Nick Menza playing. Yeah, you know. exactly. People people are very nostalgic. You know, it's, yeah. it's like with Kiss. I love Kiss. They're one of my favorite bands. I don't really care if Ace is in the band. I don't. Right. You know, I'm I'm like the exception that proves the rule, I guess. But there are so many people that they want to remember it the way they were when a little kid, when they were a little kid, and they want to see Ace. But right. for me, I mean, you know, Tommy Thayer is badass, dude. He plays just as good, if not better, than Ace. And the thing you there, know? Ace doesn't want to be in the band. So I yeah. mean, what are you going to do? It. So I mean, and there was issues of him. You know, he wasn't showing up for rehearsals and all kinds of crazy stuff. So right, you know, that's what. And the the other thing too is I've mentioned this before on air and on the podcast. Um, one of the worst things that I ever saw was Kiss with that original lineup, and they're my all time favorite band. It wasn't is that right. You saw them with the original lineup, and, and you didn't care for it, huh? Yeah, it was horrible because Peter couldn't play. Peter could not play, and it was, you know, just listening back or, or thinking back, you know, being pumped up and thinking, wow, yeah. you know. Uh, for so many what years. Era, what era was this? This. Uh, I love seeing it, but I know what you mean. I mean, like, there are people who, there's a lot of people who say, "Man, Eric Carr, dude, that's my dude." You know, because <laughs> so good. To, so. to me, though, Eric Singer is the best drummer that yeah. they've had because he Eric's can too. Yeah. he can do anything, and it shows with all the different people he's played with. I mean, he's. Uh, people are always going to complain about that and, and yeah. the fact that i mean you know these guys have been in the band longer than the other ones were anyway so it's like yeah yeah but uh you know don't get me wrong i, I think ace is fantastic i love peter oh, yeah. and you know it's just it's not as big a, you know you know how people get yeah 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 <laughs> yeah absolutely so let's talk about dave reffitt uh i played a track before by a band called Hellion. Way back one in Nam, you actually played with Anne Boleyn, and you've actually been somewhat busy this year. Uh, tell the listeners some of the stuff that you've been up to throughout 2013. Well, I'll touch on that really quick. Yeah, that was the Nam Metal Jam uh, that I put together, and that was really cool. You know, like Michelangelo and all those guys, and and Anne, which you mentioned there, she was really really sweet. She was cool. Uh, we did a couple of Dio tunes and uh, it was interesting, you know, in the back uh, green room, everybody's hanging out, partying and stuff. And, and me and Ann are over there going through the tunes. <laughs> so that was fun. That was like a nice, cool moment. Um, I was playing guitar, not even plugged in and she's singing and I'm singing. That was pretty cool. And she got up there and nailed it. And uh, a lot of people were like, man, she's like the female Dio, you know, and she, she definitely has that kind of cool mystique about her. And it was interesting because I was talking to her about being her guitar player in this new, I guess she's making a new album and stuff. And I would have loved to have do, uh, done it, but, you know, she needed somebody West Coast. Right. So I actually recommended who she's working with now. And I don't think that's out of the bag yet. Uh, the cat's not out of the bag on that one, but he's a good dude. and He's doing a great job with that. And I guess they're writing and, you know, they got some A-list people working together on that. So that'll be pretty cool. So that's that's exciting. Um, I've been working on new music of mine. I've been writing, so I'm excited for that. I've been writing some really killer stuff. It's been a while for me since I put something out, but you know, I'm one of those guys. I always think quality over quantity, you know, and you know, I mean, look at Guns N' Roses. I mean, they only put out a few albums, but they're amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the kind of the mentality I have is 
if it's not perfect, I don't want to put it out. Right. And, uh, but I'm having a lot of fun. I'm working on this new project with, um, this guy, Steve Tobin, who used to be in uh, Carnivore with Peter Steele. Okay. And that's one really, really good. That's going to be a cool, cool project. And and then there's going to be another record of mine, you know, more guitar oriented, uh, focused kind of stuff. And then I just did a solo for Michelangelo's new CD, which is going to be amazing, called Intermezzo. And uh, on the same song, it's me, Michael, Jeff Loomis, Rusty Cooley, Craig Goldie. George Lynch. I mean, it's like ridiculous, you know, all the guys on this thing. So, uh, and Guthrie Govin's playing on the album and that's going to be, that's a really, really cool record. So I'm excited for that. What does being thrown into a track with all those names mean to you and, and for your career? Well, I think it's exciting. You know, it's like, what I like about it is everybody's so different. Right. And, um, you know, when you listen to it, like, like I, I just heard it the other day and, Elliot from Dean Guitars, he's the owner of Dean Guitars. He plays bass, you know. Right. And for me, like, you know, I love shred guitar, whatever you want to call it, you know, good technique. For me, it's just rock and roll. It's metal, you know. Right. And um, I don't like the competitive aspect that people try to make it. It's not about that for me. Mm -hmm. It's not about, oh, I can do, I can do, you know, for me, it's about what can you say on the instrument. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my solo, I'm really happy with it. It's it's it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It tells a story. It's got some it's got some really interesting twists and turns, and and then Jeff Loomis's too. His is amazing, and like there's just a lot of so. I mean, of course, for my career, it looks cool to be playing with all these guys. But for right. me, it's it's fun. It's mm -hmm. interesting. It's exciting to see when you put all those dudes together, what's going to happen. You know, so it's gonna it's gonna be very very cool. Like, I think it's gonna be guitar album of the year, man. If not the decade. Cool, <laughs> very cool. I'd like to see it get a a Grammy for best instrumental record. You know, I think it's I think it's that good, that quality. Very cool. Is there an ETA for that album being released? I think they're talking about September. Okay. So keep your eyes peeled for that one. He's he's so busy touring, man, Michael. But uh, it's really fantastic. Awesome. And out of you just mentioned a bunch. Excuse me, you just mentioned a bunch of big names, you know, within the the guitar field, <laughs> per se. Um, and obviously, in the past, when we've talked about your album, uh, Call of the Flame, you've had a, a lot of different people, a lot of interesting people play on the album. Who's who is out there that you'd love to absolutely jam with that you haven't been able to play with as of yet? Oh man, there's so many people. Like, um, I'm a big Nugent guy. Okay. I love Nugent. I'd love to play with him. Um, I know a lot of people don't like him because of his politics and that sort of thing. And you know, I don't care about politics. I don't talk politics. I have my own beliefs. Right. But I think you know my my there's this old thing that says don't talk politics. Don't talk religion and don't loan friends money. <laughs> so as long as you don't do those kind of things, then you're good, you know. So I don't get right. caught up in all that. But I think from a guitar playing standpoint, Nugent is just ridiculous. You know, I love his playing. I love his tone. The songs, the songs speak for themselves. So I'd love to play with him. As far as new guys, uh, I'm not on the same tune as Guthrie Govan. Right. Uh, 
So I think that would be pretty cool. He's on a different song on this Badio CD. He's on this uh, sort of a more jazzy one that's in 5-4. And uh, his solo on that is unbelievable. It's really cool. So I'd like to work with him. He's, he's, he's a really interesting dude. He's, uh, he can do metal. He can do country. He can do jazz. And he's all over the place. Okay. And if you were able to put a all-star lineup together to record your next album, if you had one person to fill each position in the band, who would you go with? On drums, um, I, I'm really digging this guy, Steve Tobin, I'm playing with. He's amazing. And as far as my guitar, you know, if I do a guitar instrumental record, I might use different players. Right. Uh, you know, not the same guys on every song, mix it up a little bit or whatever. But I've always loved Bobby Jarsonbeck from Halford. Okay. And uh, I've talked with him a couple of times. He's unbelievable. I love his drumming. He plays for um, Sebastian Bach, too. And, and you know, that's wanted. a really good, very recognizable tone. He's, he's a very solid player. Vinnie Paul. I love Vinnie Paul. You know, there's so many, man. Okay, cool. Now, I'm going to throw out some guitarist names out there, and I'd like you to mention what they mean to you, inspiration-wise, if they mean something to you, and what is the quintessential song by this specific player in your mind or the most influential okay. song? If you tell me somebody I don't like, I'm, I could get in trouble here. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let, let's start out with something easy. You already mentioned Ted Nugent. Oh, let's start there's out one with... more I'd like to work with, actually. But before we go on to this, I saw Slash the other night. Okay. Uh, man, dude. Slash has still got it big time, dude. Uh, I saw him at the House of Blues. Right? You know, I was like, dude, Axel. Get him back. <laughs> Not that I, I mean, I think Bumblefoot and all those guys are unbelievable, but you know, I'd still love to see Slash with him. I, I, I wouldn't have any issues with Slash and Bumblefoot being in the lineup. Oh, yeah, that'd be killer. Yeah. Now, I don't know if, um, for, from what I've read in the past, for example, with what happened between Zack and, and Slash with their egos, sort of clashing if uh, Slash would allow Bumblefoot to be in the band, but that's, uh, that's a different story. <laughs> mm. So, okay, let's, let's start out uh, with Slash then. To you, what is the most quintessential Slash song to you, and what do you sort of take away from his playing? What's the biggest influence, in, in your opinion, that he left to you? He, um... You know, there are guys who they have great image and they're not really there. Like right. they don't have it, that it factor. And mm -hmm. Slash is, he's got the image, he's got all that. You know, image is like totally secondary to me. You know, if, if the music's not great, who cares? Right. And Slash right. has it for days, man, the music. I mean, like, he can kick ass with some metal. The, the, the dude can play fast. He can play slow. He can play clean. He's, uh, the bluesiness that he gets is killer. Right. You know, he went on this big 10 minute jam and the dude was doing some bluesy licks, just like firing stuff off left and right licks. You never heard. You know? And then that speaks volumes. So I think he's an innovator. Um, I mean, obviously everybody comes from their influences. You know, you can hear Aerosmith, you can hear Led Zeppelin, and you can hear mountain, all that stuff. But uh, he totally just took it and ran with it and did his own thing. And, I guess you'd have to say Sweet Child of Mine in a way, because, I mean, you know, you play that guitar lick, and like you played that lick the other night, and people just went insane, you know? So, I mean, right. the proof's in the pudding, as they say. 
But uh, for me, I have so many songs I love by them, man. I, lo I love when he stood up on the piano and did November Rain, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Don't Damn Me and uh, some of the more, you know, deep cuts. I love all that stuff. So, um, but I think just, like, taste and tone and the whole bit, you know, I think that's what makes him so great. And interestingly enough, I saw... Uh, a clip where he's actually playing one of the cooler, in my opinion, Velvet Revolver songs, uh, which uh, which is Let It Roll, which I think that second Velvet Revolver album is very underrated. I actually prefer that to the first album because, as you were saying before, I think that they sort of push more boundaries with that album as opposed to the first one. The first album just sounds really safe to me. Okay. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard that second one. I should check it out. Yeah, they kind of had imploded. Dave Mustaine, I remember reading him once. He said he met Scott and said, dude, you are so talented. Don't ever touch heroin. <laughs> and, uh, and Dave said he didn't listen to me. So there you so go. That stuff, will, that stuff will wreck your life, man. And he, um, the dude's still great though. Wild. If, if you had to pick a quintessential slash song, in your opinion, what would it be? Oh, I touched on that. I mean, I, I think you probably have to go Sweet Child of Mine, right? Okay. I mean, also, Paradise City. I mean, like the solo on that is just blistering, man. And yeah, that's another one they play that, and people go nuts. So either one of those. Okay. Another person that you had mentioned is Ted Nugent. What does or how does Ted influence you? And in your opinion, what's his you know quintessential song for you? My girlfriend, um, she said that when she listens to me play. Nugent pops out the most like you can you know you know how like we talked about Slash and you can hear the Aerosmith and you can hear the Zeppelin right she right. said she said that Nuge jumps out of me and, and and what I what I think that I love the most about him is he has that bluesy rocky you know like it's old school but it's so like he took it to his own place and um like I, I love Turn It Up you know that song Turn It Up I think right. the solo is blistering on there and it's got the double bass pedal happening and that was burning for its time man i mean that was in the 70s i mean that was like some pretty kick-ass crazy guitar and it still stands the test of time um stranglehold too i mean like you know that's a fan favorite of course i mean if you asked a lot of people that's probably their favorite that one or cat scratch fever but stranglehold does have a killer it's almost like hippie-ish sounding Right. You know, it's got that kind of hippie, trippy, Santana, Hendrix kind of thing happening. And uh, he does some killer licks and like the volume swells that he does. And and he plays those big Gibson Birdland hollow bodies, you know, so he gets these big, crazy, obnoxious sounds out of the guitar that a lot of people don't get. I like that. I just think he's I just think the, the tone's massive and the playing's great. Cool. Now, the next guy that I'm going to bring up, I've always thought, and this guy's one of my all-time favorite guitars, I've always thought that the song uh, Free For All influenced his playing because, and he's always referenced uh, himself as being a sort of a rhythm-first guitarist uh, that he thinks with the drums in mind when he composes. The guitarist is George Lynch. Okay. Oh, and, and, and he said free-for-all was influential? No, no, no. I've always thought that free-for-all was influential. Just how sort of the... Um, oh, I see. The, the riff is sort of, uh, you know, going along with the rhythm, chugging along yeah. with the rhythm. And, and there are definitely a lot of 
George tracks that that do that as well, where you know he's going along sort of atypically with the with the double bass or with yeah. something else with, with another rhythm pattern. I thought you were going to say t- um, Hetfield almost because Hetfield so focused on rhythm, obviously. And so good, and he loves Nugent. Like he's always saying, "Dude, why the hell isn't Nugent in the Hall of Fame?" You know, <laughs> right? And I think we know why. You know, it's the the political aspect. Um, but um, yeah, George. When I think of George, I just think of just an innovator, man. He, you know, he was he's been around so long, and he's so good. And uh, six degrees of separation with Nugent. You know, he just interviewed Nugent for uh, the Shadow Shadow Train movie that's coming right. out. I think they changed the name to Shadow Nation. Huh. Uh, that's going to be really cool. Nugent's in the film. But with George, just an innovator, you know, you hear him, you know it's him. That, that's the mark of a great player. You know, like with Michelangelo, you hear the tone, you know it's him. You hear Zach, you, you hear the vibrato, you know it's him. And George is another one. You hear that kind of quirky, unusual, you know, um, unique, for lack of a better word, sort of phrasing, and you know it's him. The, the solo that he did on the song with, um, he's on the same song as Badio and me. He kills it. Like he, it's, it's really cool what he does. He does a lot of outside the box kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I love all the doc and stuff. I, I saw Lynch Mob. That was one of the best shows I've ever seen, man. The energy, the, the interaction with the crowd and the interaction between each other right. was unbelievable. And, um, you know, it's sad that that band fell apart for whatever reason. But, um, yeah, George is one of the greats, man. He's he's in my he's way up there. One of my favorites. And to put real you on, dude, too. go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say, real good dude too. Cool. Um, what were we gonna say? I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, and the, the fifth guitarist that I'm gonna name here is to put you on the spot as far as the quintessential song, in your opinion, by the band and his his obvious influence on you, and that's Dave Mustaine. Oh, cool. So, so you so the influential song by like the most pinnacle song by Megadeth. In your opinion, and and what you take away from that? It's really, really tough. But I, you know, a song that keeps coming back to me. That's always a classic that people love. Um, you know, like like I said with "Sweet Child of Mine." Every who doesn't want to learn how to play "Sweet Child of Mine" on the guitar, right? Right. <laughs> so with Megadeth, the one everybody wants to know is "Tornado of Souls." Okay. So for me, I mean, the, the attitude, it just like, it just comes bursting out of the speakers at you. And, um, you know, arguably the height of the band, you know, that's people's favorite, you know, a lot of people's favorite album that they keep coming back to. Right. Countdown to Extinction was more of a commercial success. It sold more records. But, um, Rust in Peace, a lot of people is their favorite. Right. And, um, you know, that song just kicks ass, bottom line. And the, the solo, the solo is like a little song within a song, you know, and specifically with Dave, you know, the lyrics are great. The rhythms are great. It's just a great song, you know, and that like that's to me, that's like the blues, man. He's doing like these kind of blue scales. It's in B minor and uh, just a great song, man. I mean, I could I could name a million, you know, a hundred <laughs> songs by them that I think are fantastic. But. Which is why I left it for last. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, at this point in their career, they got hundreds of songs, so right. But um, that's the obvious one, I guess. Let's check out one of your tracks. 
I actually sort of switched it up on you. Let's get into Standstill and Scream. Is there anything that you want to comment on this track before we jump into it? Uh, that's a fun one. You know, uh, I like the drums on it. You know, Mike Mangini, he, he played on there, and uh, he's in Dream Theater now, and God bless him, he's doing good. That's great, man. And uh, I like what he plays, and Michelangelo does a solo on there. And I like... I also like my solos on there too. So I think that the two of us together was really interesting. And, um, a friend of mine said something funny to me. He, he heard this song, uh, and after Michelangelo's solo, he said, he's like, dude, that doesn't sound humanly possible. What he just, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I like that, you know, that that's cool is to, um, some of these guys can do. And, and, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be a part of it and, you know, rock out, man. It's just fun. Cool. So let's get into Stand Still and Scream. This is coming off of the Call of the Flames, name of the album. You can pick that up on iTunes, or if you're listening to the podcast version of this, we'll have a link to Amazon where you could pick up the CD if you're interested. And let's get into a little Dave Reffitt. say they will stay with you right through that danger zone. But the closer you get to that fiery hole, it's you and Mars attacks alone. It was back in the summer of 83. There's a reason I remember it well. I was slipping and sliding, drinking and driving, bringing me closer to hell. We are back with Dave Reffitt hanging out with us till the end of the show here. That was a very cool track off of the Call of the Flames. Again, as we always say, if you like the bands that you hear during the shows, please support them. Uh, go out to Amazon, go out to iTunes and purchase the albums. And, I mean, if you have a local record store close to you, you know, uh, see if you can find Dave's album or any of the other albums or artists that uh, 
we've been discussing. So, um, what have you been listening to lately? I mean, are you someone that likes to search out new bands? Do you like to just sit back and listen to things that you're sort of comfortable with? I know a lot of people come to me, for example, with podcasts. Say, oh, you got to check out this podcast or check out that other podcast. And a lot of times, I just want to sit back and chill out and listen to an album that I know that I love. I know that it's just going to, you know, take me somewhere else and sort of, you know, take me away from the daily grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely, I, I have those days definitely where I just want to kick back and put on some Skinner or Bad Company or something, you know, and just chill out and, you know, or Boston or something more classic that I know I love. Or, uh, you know, Metallica, Megadeth, Pantera, whatever it may be. Um, but I do tend to seek out, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in new things. Um, there was a band I saw open for Diamond Head a while back that was pretty cool called Cauldron. Those guys are fun. Right. And uh, my buddy's got a band called Razor Maze. I'll mm-hmm. give them a plug there. <laughs> Their <laughs> album's coming out in a couple of days, and it's uh, he's, he's a great lead player, and there's some cool stuff on there, so check that out um what else man you know i still love the classics judas priest and all that stuff and maiden so uh but yeah people are always sending me new bands to check out and and, you know i write for guitar world too so i'm always getting press kits and promos and right so it's always fun there's always there's a lot of great talent out there what's the hardest part for you with these promos and press kits, um, is there one thing that you that you're looking for to sort of uh, grab you and sort of you know pique your interest? Is there something that dissuades you right off the bat, or are you pretty open minded with with everything that you receive? I'm pretty open minded. At the same time, you know, the hardest part for me is I, I never want to let anybody down. You know, like if there's a young band or something sends me something, it's hard to you know, there's only 24 hours in the day and, and everybody has lives and all that kind of stuff. Our world will say, okay, you can do it. You know, I mean, there are bands that I'll go to bat for that I'll say, hey, man, we really got to do this. These guys are great. But um, but typically, I mean, to make it worth the time of doing it, it's got to be, you know, like, like I just did Paul Rogers from Bad Company. Right. Uh, and that was a great one and got a lot of buzz, and you know. and But you you know from doing this stuff, man, everything, it's it's a lot of effort. It's a labor of love and uh you know, it's tough. You know, it's really tough, the, right. the, the time element. So mm-hmm. so that's the toughest part for me is, you know, telling somebody no or whatever. But I typically try to do as much as I possibly humanly can. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, as far as them getting my attention, I mean, you know, it's, it's just for me it's got to be good. You know, it's got to be uh, – it's like the same thing I do with my music, man. I, you're competing against everybody that's ever put out an album. So it's, I mean, it's gotta be good. That sets the bar pretty high. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, you got to give it everything you got. So that's my advice. When you or when you're approached to do some of these interviews, is there anyone that, um, makes you feel like, like, a, a little kid again, where, uh, you, you get really excited to interview them. Is there anyone that has ever sort of uh, left you starstruck? Um, not really. You know, I don't really get starstruck anymore. Uh, when I was younger, you know, meeting bands and that sort of thing, I, I would definitely, you know, when, when you're, when you're 15 years old or whatever, and you're meeting somebody you really looked up to, you know, uh, it's kind of hard not to be, 
when you're that young, you know, but nowadays I don't. But one that was really fun and really funny uh, that I really enjoyed was uh, Sebastian Bach. You know, I think he's one of the greatest singers in rock ever. Seriously, the guy, right. the guy's so talented. And what I like about him is, you know, they did that song Youth Gone Wild, and he's he's got Youth Gone Wild tattooed on him and stuff, and, and he's the real deal. He lives that. You know, that's right. that's who he is. You know, like he's he's uh, he's not a kid anymore, but you would think it. You know, that the kind of energy the dude has and, you know, he gets on the phone. He's excited to be there. He's cool. He's funny. You know, like, like he's a, just a cool dude. So that was a fun one. Paul Rogers, man, that was like, like the sweetest guy on the planet. Like so nice, you know, and like you would think it would be the opposite because he's by far the biggest star I've ever interviewed. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, the dude sold a hundred million records worldwide. That's huge. And, uh, but he was like the coolest. So, um, I can't think of anybody that wasn't cool, but you know, some of them cooler than others, I guess. But, you know, like, um, that was a really, those were a couple of really fun ones. And Leslie West was great. The dude's really funny. Uh, such a legend, you know, such a great player. So influential, you know, so many guys you wouldn't have that wouldn't play the way that they did if it wasn't for Leslie West opening that door, you know? Right. Slash, who I mentioned. And uh, Randy wrote, you know, Randy Leslie was like one of his favorite guitar players. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun ones. Okay. Let's get into a track right now by a, um, by a new band, a band that's uh, generating some hype out there on, uh, I believe they're on the Mayhem Tour. Uh, my good buddy Andrew from Metal Assault uh, has talked them up uh, quite a bit on his site. And I'm actually digging this track. The name of the band is Scorpion Child. They're uh, fairly new, at least. I just found out about them a few months ago thanks to um, a Nuclear Blast sending me uh, some tracks off of their album out and come back and, and wrap things up uh, with Dave after that.
by checking out all of the great stores we've affiliated to. Go to Affiliate Stores and click on the merchant you're interested in purchasing from. It's that easy. You don't pay anything more, and we receive a small percentage of each sale. Uh, Dave, if people want to check out what you're doing, where should they go? Uh, I've got DaveRiffitt.com. I need to update that a little better, but you Facebook, man, follow me on Facebook, friend me on there and all that. And, you know, that's everything is speed of light nowadays. So um, right. that's the best way to do it. I'm yeah. on there. People send me messages. I answer every one of them and yeah, you know, all that good stuff. I can attest to that. I, Pester Dave from time to time, and he's always fairly quick to get back with me uh, with anything that uh, that I may mention to him. So, um, as far as we're concerned here, remember every Friday night or almost every Friday night we do the live show. Uh, Mark Striegel and I uh, just check out Talking Metal Digital on Facebook or go to uh, Mars Attacks Radio on Facebook to see what we comment on during the week, whether there's going to be a live show or not, whether we're going to have special guests or not. Uh, and like we mentioned before, or a bunch of times, you know, this is a work in progress and we do thank everyone that's checked out the show tonight and every other week that keeps coming back. Uh, Todd sent us a tweet before and Todd's been great. He's been a trooper. He's checked out. I think every single live show and always sends us, messages during the show and before and after so thanks for your support todd and uh, anyone else that does check the show out uh feel free to drop us a line via twitter or either of the facebook pages that we mentioned uh if you want to download the podcast once this becomes available in podcast format you can go to marsattacksradio.com or remember you can subscribe on itunes or for those of you that have an Android phone, you can go to Stitcher and download that app and subscribe that way. That seems to be the easiest. Um, that's pretty much it. And if you have any other, you know, questions or comments or whatever, all the pertinent information is right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Remember to donate if you want to donate for the cause, uh, or check out one of the affiliate links. And oh, before I forget. You are you still using um, esoteric uh factory opened up in uh, San Luis Obispo, so they're able to crank them out more. And uh, company's doing good; they're selling some good stuff, and so check that out. And uh, also, I've been teaching a ton. And something that I'm doing really cool is uh, I'm shooting a DVD with a company called Dangerous Guitars. Okay. Uh, so I think it's DangerousGuitar.com, and you can follow them on. Um, Facebook and all that. And what's really cool about it is, so the DVD is going to be really, really all encompassing and, and show you how to really, really get great on the guitar with metal and hard rock and stuff. And, um, but we also shot some other content that's more kind of aimed for the more beginner and intermediate kind of player. And, um, when you subscribe to the site and I think they have a special deal, it's like $18 a year or something. There's, a lot of great videos on there with guys like Billy Sheehan, Gilby Clark, and um, who else is on there? Richie Kotzen, Tony McAlpine, 
And uh, so just a lot of great players. You know, you can really learn a lot on there. And uh, so I highly suggest that site. It's a great one. Okay, cool. We'll link to that site as well uh, in the show notes once the podcast comes out. And as far as um, Esoteric, it's still uh, just Factory Direct, or can you buy one of their guitars somewhere else? I think they're in the middle of dealing with some stores and that sort of thing, getting them in stores. So I'm not specific. I'm not sure exactly what they're doing with that. Um, I'm still dealing with them, and I'm still working a lot with Seymour Duncan. We're working on designing uh, a pickup, you know, a signature pickup. So that's going to be really exciting. They sent me the pickup. I told them what I was looking for. You know, here are the albums I like. Here are the tones I like. Here are right. the players I like, blah, blah, blah. And they said, you know, they sent me these two pickups that are sort of a good starting point based on what I'm talking about. And then we're going to go back and forth and kind of hone it from there, whether I want more highs or more more gain or, more, you know, whatever. Right. And uh, so that's going to be a really interesting process to um, to get a pickup, sig- you know, signature model. That'll be fun. Cool. We'll have to uh, look out for that. Big fan of what Seymour Duncan does. Yeah, they're the best. And uh, again, thank you guys for listening. We're going to leave things off. This is a track by uh, Sal Abrascado's uh, band Post Life of Agony. Um, he's out from behind the drum kit. He is singing and playing the guitar on this. The name of the band is A Pale Horse Named Death. The new album is called Lay My Soul to Waste. Actually, pretty cool. It's, um, in my opinion... He's sort of taken things a bit further than the, than the first album, which had one or two cool tracks, but this album really is solid all the way through. It also has What's Kenny. What's the name of this band again? A Pale Horse Named Death. Oh, cool. It also has uh, Kenny from Typo Negative and Danzig on there, and I know he's putting a live lineup together, so he's going to be touring with the band shortly. Uh, my good friend Joey Z from Life of Agony has also checked in and mentioned that Pretty much everything is is put to bed with the band. So if you're expecting anything else from from them, uh, be on the lookout for this band from Sal. Joey's working on a solo album, and Robert actually has some pretty cool comic books or graphic novels that he's put out recently. So there you go. Uh, the name Joey, of this. Sorry, uh, Joey was in um, Carnivore with Steve. Right, my buddy Steve Tobin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, um, when Pete Steele died, he was actually the first guy. Um, was um, was ashamed to hear that he lost his studio uh, in Hurricane uh, Sandy, and uh, oh, but cool. but he's he's doing good. Last time I spoke to him, he mentioned he's you know hopping around to various other studios. But uh, you can check out the clip on YouTube if you put uh, method method of groove studio up. You'll see his studio flooded and all these. Uh, cabinets and amps underwater and it's really sad to see all, all that stuff but uh, Joey's a good guy and glad to hear that he's rebounding from that so uh, we'll be on the lookout for his solo album and he's promised to come on shortly so we'll have more Joey Z news in the future anyway let's wrap things up with Shallow Grave by Pale Horse Named Death thanks for listening and see you next time right here on Mars Attacks.
Thank you for listening to Mars Attacks. To follow the radio show and podcast, like us on Facebook by going to Facebook forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. You'll find us on Twitter also. Follow us at Mars Aries 2005. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher, or just go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to download or stream episodes. Or you can just go to the homepage of MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more about the radio show and podcast. This concludes our show.